We don't realize that we are the answer to our own prayer. And that is today's Morning Moxie. Welcome to the Morning Moxie show. I am your host, Alicia Sharp, and today on the show we have Christine Kane, and she is talking to us about God of the Miracles and how, you know, when Jesus took the loaves and fishes, how he multiplied them for everyone to eat and how we have to surrender the little that we have to God in order for him to do the miracles. But we have to surrender it and we have to be willing instead of thinking that, oh, I can't do everything, so I'm just not going to do anything. We have to give him our little portion and he will make something big out of it. Here's Christine. I'm going to jump right into the text today. I'm just like family, so I'm just an extended part of your global teaching team. So if you would turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 6. I'm both Greek and a woman, so I only speak three ways, hard, fast, and continuously. So you will not fall asleep, um, and you better listen fast. So the Bible says in verse 30 of Mark, chapter 6, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, They're obviously not from Oklahoma City. But anyway, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and go to the Jerusalem food court and buy some hummus. I'm actually just checking if anyone is following the text with me. It's just how I sort of have a look. It is in the original Greek. I did check, but, you know, you can do your own research. And so it says um, in verse 37, but he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we going to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces. Everyone say broken pieces. pieces. Of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake, as you would. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and he said, take courage at his eye, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. Here in this text, we have two very familiar stories that many of us, if I guess you've been in church life at all, and even if you haven't, have come across a story of, of Jesus multiplying the fish and loaves and Jesus walking on water. And normally we would teach this as two separate stories. But I don't think you can separate verse 30 
from verse 52 because the story starts before the story and ends after the story, as is often the case. We start up on a mountainside and the Bible says that the disciples had been teaching all day and they came back to Jesus and they gave an account of everything they had done and taught. No one can just go and teach whatever they want to teach. They've got to come back and give an account to authority and leadership. This is what I've been teaching. Is it all okay? And so they were hungry. There's nothing ever incidental in the text that tells us that the disciples had not eaten. So they were really, really hungry. Jesus said, we need a break. We need a rest. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go over to the other side and we're going to have a little break. Now, something interesting happens. Before Twitter, before Facebook, before Fox News, before CNN, before Global Satellites, before LifeChurch.tv, because you're everywhere, it's a little bit like God, you're just omnipresent. And so before all of that, something happened where a crowd got there on foot before Jesus ever got there in a boat. There was obviously something so compelling, something so magnetic, something so attractional about this man, Jesus, that people would end up getting somewhere before he ever got there. That didn't come after the fourth worship song. They were there before he ever got there waiting to hear from Jesus. It's taught me that when Jesus is in the house, you can't keep people away. People don't care how far they're going to park away from the building. They don't care what seat they're going to get in. They just want to get there and listen to Jesus. So Jesus begins to teach. Now the disciples are already freaking out because they know when this guy starts talking that he doesn't stop. And they're thinking, you know, we've never really understood much of any of the other parables he's ever talked about. So we need to tell him that the Jerusalem food court's going to close down because we are hungry. And this is what leaders often do. When they have a problem and they're hungry, they go to the leader leader and they say, um, it's the people's fault. The people are hungry. Nowhere in the text does it say the people are hungry, but we know that the disciples have not yet eaten. So they go and blame the people for what they really want. They want Jesus to be quiet so that they can go and eat. And so they say the people are really hungry. And so this is what Jesus does. Because every time he's getting ready to do a miracle and he prepares to do a miracle, he starts right here. He says, well, you give them something to eat. And they sit there and they think, like many of us, we go to Jesus with a prayer request and we pray about something and we don't realize that we are the answer to our own prayer. So Jesus says, you do something about it. Now, what we think he has said is, why can't you do anything about it? We obviously misheard him and we begin to give him a list of reasons of why we can't. The disciples start saying, this is going to take eight months of a man's salary. We don't have enough food. You know, my mother didn't pack an extra lunch for 5,000 people. There is no way that we're going to be able to feed them. And so they begin to give Jesus a list of why not. So often we do that. I remember when we had a sense, Nick and I, to start the A21 campaign. Now, we were living in Australia. We had just had our second born. I was 41 years old, and we already were traveling around the world and, and helping to build churches, and we were the network pastors for the Hillsong Church. And so we had a lot going on. And I remember when there was this sense that, Christine, I want you to do something about it. You do something about help, helping to rescue um, people from human trafficking. I remember going to God, but God, I can't. But God, I'm a woman. But God, I'm 41. But God, I've just had a newborn baby. But God, I live in Sydney, Australia. Do you know how far that is from Europe? And, and I could imagine God's in heaven going, you know, I didn't know she was a chick. Gabriel, did you, did you know that she was a woman? Wow. Did anyone know Chris had a baby? Did we miss the shower? Did we miss the baby shower in heaven? I've got no idea. Um, does anyone know where Australia is relative to Greece? Could someone bring me a GPS? Could someone, Peter, get me a map book? You know, God, I don't have a spare $10 million to run there. Well, you know, and God, Greece is single-handedly about to bankrupt the whole planet. You're welcome. And so that's where you want us to start. 
And I imagine God's in heaven. Oh my God, no, I am God. I'm having an existential crisis, all three of me. I'm having a crisis up here economically. What am I going to do? Did you all know that Wall Street was about to have a schizophrenic attack? I don't know who Mr. Dow Jones is, but he's down three points one day, up four points the next. I really don't know what's... But this is God. This is God who woke up one day, burped, went, earth, oops, look what I did. That's God. He is still in control. Whatever is happening politically, socially, morally, economically, personally, God is still on the throne. He is still sovereign. And He is still God. So I said, but God... But God, I can't. And God's kind of rolling his eyes going, I never even asked you if you could or you couldn't. It wasn't a question. I said, you give them something to eat. So then as God stops listening, I love this with Jesus. He, he listens to them, give their excuses, why not? And then in verse 38, he says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. It's almost like he didn't even listen to all their excuses, why not? He says, how many do you have? Go and see. He sent them back into the crowd to go and see what they do have because the ingredients for a miracle are always in our midst. We always have the ingredients for a miracle. It's just that they're in seed form and we devalue the seed because it doesn't look like the harvest. And so we think we have nothing to work with. But Jesus cannot multiply what we do not recognize. So he says, go and have a look. So he sends them to the crowd to have a look. Because the ingredients are in there. Now they go around looking. Now the text has told us in verse 38 that that day there were 5,000 men counted. Because in that time in history, that's how you counted. You counted according to the men. But theologians and historians would say, if, if you accurately counted women and children, and the other Gospels record besides women and children, if you include women and children, which I love to do, I am a woman, I was a child. So if you include those, they say it would not be unrealistic to say there was at least 15,000 people on that mountainside. So they go in and begin to look amongst 15,000 people and one little boy gives his five loaves, his, his five pieces of Ezekiel bread, his two little anchovies, that's all he has. He gives it up. Do you think in a crowd of 15,000 that there was only one little boy with a packed lunch? Oh, I guarantee you there were more packed lunches that day. But this is what happens and it happens to us in church every week and it happens to us in life. That we see the magnitude of the problem, that the disciples went around the crowd and they said, anyone got a lunch? We've got to feed 15,000 people. Jesus isn't going to stop until we feed everyone and there's a crowd of 15,000. Who's got a spare lunch for 15,000? What we do is we look at the enormity and the magnitude of the problem. And we think, because I can't do everything, I'll do nothing instead of the one thing that would activate something. Jesus never asks us to do everything. Every week when our pastor stands up and uh, tells us to bring the tithe into the storehouse, he's not asking any one person to do everything, but God's commanding all of us to do the one thing that we can all do, which is bring our tithe into the storehouse. When we have a need, we're not asked to do everything. When, when it came to helping to rescue 27 million slaves, God wasn't asking us to do it all. But he said, what's the one thing that you do have? And if you give me that one thing, I'll be able to do something absolutely miraculous with it, Christine. But I need the one thing. That was Christine Kane. And you can find that clip on YouTube if you search under Christine Kane, Maker of Miracles. This is actually part one of a three-part message. So you will catch the next two segments on tomorrow and the next day. So I hope you have a great day. And if you want to catch more information about Christine, you can go to her website, christinecane.com. Well, that is all I have for you today. I hope you have a great day today, and I will see you again tomorrow for another episode of Morning Moxie. God bless.